Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 55. I am your host, Ace Ambender, and we are, as always, presented by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a Meet at Midfield production. And for those of you who don't know what that is, meetatmidfield.com. And if you want to be even more direct, meetatmidfield.com slash subscribe. We're covering Michigan. We're covering Ohio State. We're covering the Big Ten. We're putting out top 25 rankings. We're running three different podcasts. We will have this podcast in a bonus subscriber-only form uh, as the football season goes on. So, uh, yeah, you should sign up. I've got Connor Taylor and Dan all with me today. Uh, We're going to get to big moods in a moment, but first, uh, how's everybody doing? I'm excited to be here. I've this is I've collected all of my bucket problem host infinity stones because this is my first episode with Dan. So this is really exciting for me. Yeah, I'm I'm like the mind stone in that you did have to kill someone you love to get it. <laughs> <laughs> is that that's how is that how that worked? I don't know. It's, I, uh, I, don't, I don't watch those movies. I'm not, not, I'm not like <laughs> I don't know I'm how cool, it works, but that so sounds right. Yeah, Connor. <laughs> Connor has only ever watched uh, movies with subtitles. You have to have subtitles on to understand. <laughs> They're all in black and white. Um, They're yeah. like foreign. Some films. of them are in English, but Connor's still turning on the subtitles anyway. You laugh, but I think the last like five movies I've watched all had subtitles. So. Yeah, this tracks. <laughs> Connor's, average, Connor's average movie watching experience is like, uh, like showing his Tinder date, like f- Faces of Death. In uh, in Laramie, Wyoming, or wherever. I, I, I've told you guys seal. about when I went on a on a uh, second date with somebody to the movies, and she she suggested. Oh God, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but it was a Holocaust movie on a date. What? Yeah, what? no, it was no the most no. depressing movie I've ever seen. I've done a Twitter thread on this. I, I'm like. Can somebody else riff on this for a couple seconds well, while it, I find it? Was it a movie that like wasn't obviously about the Holocaust? Like not Schindler's List, but like Au Revoir, Les Enfants, or something like that? Was it like? Oh yeah, that classic movie we all know. <laughs> if you, yeah, Connor. First of all, what the hell? It's um, a great movie. Oh my god! I, I'll, um, I've said it once and I'll say it again. You should listen to yourself sometimes. It was, it was obviously about that. If I had looked it up at any point, but the movie was just called Phoenix. Um, <laughs> And you that thought it was be, about like a dude in Scottsdale, like Charles it, Barkley. Yeah, it could be about anything, but it is uh <laughs> quote, uh, well, I shouldn't say quote, this is from my tweet. Um, a devastating film about a Holocaust survivor trying to get back with the husband who may have betrayed her to the Nazis. And I'm real and I'm really underselling how depressing that movie was. This is yeah. Date two. Hold on, date two. Date two, uh runtime, one hundred minutes. That uh, has to be the most <laughs> down bad movie premise I've ever heard. It was That's a movie. That- that's I a movie really... you put on if you're just like trying to have negative sex. <laughs> oh, and trust me, yeah. we we came through on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but just like speaking as someone who writes fiction, I don't know how you would make a character who was so down bad that she's like, I know you may have betrayed me to the Nazis, but like, you know, Tinder's not really popping for me right now. So. Oh, well, I, well, like a, a really oh. bad like injury is about like there's a whole long medical recovery. It is somehow more depressing than what I have. Uh, constructed as the premise of this movie ladies Um, he's a he's a 10 but he betrays you to the nazis (laughs) that's (laughs) uh yeah you can cut that one no 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 that is (laughs) that was good though that's that's a great a great tweet right there dan uh good work thanks man thank you um that one's for movie twitter 
<laughs> yeah, if you if you watch Phoenix, imagine doing that and trying to have a conversation afterwards about anything. Oh, this my is God. why, like, I, I would never make that mistake because I've never watched any movie besides The Dark Knight. Um, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. I. I. You know. I've been waiting a while to say that. Like Ace. I am doing well overall. But honestly, <laughs> I'm a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a little <laughs> bit depressed right now, just because. Like, I already knew that Dan. You know. Um. Is like roughly 14 years old. Don't fact check that. But. Uh. Taylor apparently is too. I didn't realize that they were they were in college together. And you know that's just not fair. Like people should not be allowed to be younger than me. I'm sorry. Yeah, we we have once again forgotten to uh, record our like pretty solid accidental cold open that we always do before the show, and the best ones always go unrecorded. And they were they were comparing notes about birth dates, and the the nineties were mentioned, and uh, that's bullshit. It's like the mid nineties. That's, that's absolute like, it's bullshit. Not bad. That's terror. You said mid. <laughs> I'm sorry that I was born. I, I apologize. I, I'm. Te- I could technically qualify for mid eighties. <laughs> well, Taylor, well, you were born, and then you became a Michigan fan, which does mean that you regret being born, like we all do. Exactly. And, and this also ages you in dog years. So it, it does. absolutely does. I'm like mentally like eighty five. Like <laughs> I like I smoke a pack a day. I'm like frail. I'm like one of those people that like, you know, when they, like those older people on like. That they're like, what is the secret? You're 112 years old. And they're like, I drink a glass of wine a day and I hate men. That's me at this point. But like sports and my glass of red wine and um, men that I hate is Michigan. That's where I'm at. That's well, you have alive. the you uh, you have the like time tested mental health regimen of, uh, you know, watching however Michigan ends its season, which is, you know, traditionally with a loss to Ohio State and then a postseason loss to cap it off. And then uh, turning around and watching the Bills in the playoffs, which always goes great. So. <laughs> Listen, nothing has ever gone wrong about that. Um, I was I wasn't in Kansas City. I didn't see it happen, so it didn't happen. No, I, I was there. It was really bad. Um, be, being a fan of sports is terrible. Maybe that's my big mood. I don't really know. Maybe it's just everything is terrible. But no, I'm actually good though. Other than that. Even though uh, I'm actually going to kick it right back to you for your big mood because you have said in the notes no one ever specified that it had to be a good mood. That is that is true. No one ever said that it had to be. It just could be just a large mood of any sort. Uh, because my big mood is that the uh, that the uh, Michigan and Ohio State hockey programs have announced the face-off on the lake, which will be occurring. Um, Not on a February. lake. no. <laughs> Well, they would be close. so much cooler. <laughs> they're close, but they're not quite there. Super close. Um, the closest they could possibly get. They are going to be playing at the Browns Stadium, which that's upsetting. Both um, teams are... cursed forever. The vibes are terrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrifying. Um, I believe, and I and I have the quote here. Um, it's just like, you know, just like the regular stuff that you have to say. We're excited to partner with the Haslam Sports Group to provide this unique outdoor hockey game <laughs> experience for our student never athletes, <laughs> said Sean Richard, Executive Associate Athletics Director at Ohio State. I pulled that from MLive. That made me really sad. Um, but it should. So, like, I'm conflicted about this because I know it's going to be good hockey. I know it's going to be fun hockey. I know Michigan and Ohio State's non-football rivalries are not as thrilling. You could argue that Notre Dame is a legitimate rival to Michigan um, in this sense. 
as opposed to to football uh because Notre Dame does not claim that that we're their rival or anything it's all that stuff I'm, I'm not going to hate on them again this week I well think dude Notre that. Dame has a head coach who's never won a football game so like I don't want to hear anything about them anymore <laughs> that is true that is so true Pre-season and he's never won a five. hockey game either so that that, you know. that is so true Taylor keep preach that's exactly it I only speak speak truths but anyway uh, my point is, it's going to be a very, very cool and interesting and fun thing that is happening for in a place that is neither cool nor interesting nor fun. I I assume the Haslam's will have some of the Cleveland Browns there in some capacity, and I'm sure the bad man um, to to borrow oh, a phrase no. from Charles McDonald may be there. I will be upset about it, or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll have learned by the end of the season. Uh, because the game will be taking place in February of 2023. Maybe they'll have learned by then that the that their like PR campaign, their pro Watson PR campaign is no longer going to work. Or we so can perhaps... have big boots about actionable threats in the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, but all I'm saying is it is a cool thing in a bad place. So it's just kind of like my mood is like an ah, just like this like big loud ringing because I will probably go to it and it'll probably be cool as hell. Um, even though Michigan's hockey program is better than Ohio State's, you heard it here first, folks. Um, even though this game is occurring at the Cleveland Brown Stadium, which probably yeah. has a corporate name that I'm not going to look It's up. like First Energy or something. I thought it was Progressive Field, but that's the baseball place. Um, mm. Anyway, uh, it is Wait, Was super that funny. thing also named after something racist? Uh, progressive Field was always the the place got progressive field really ironic name god damn <laughs> that's that's yeah. fantastic honestly like and <laughs> it's it's just like it's uh, michigan hockey would never play normally at a place that's named after something racist i would think um <laughs> no so never this is definitely the most shameful thing they've ever done as a program yeah nothing <laughs> yeah noted upstanding uh program michigan hockey uh, anyway, all of that to say, it is really funny because Columbus Blue Jackets fans are also upset because the Blue Jackets have never played outside and Ohio State's hockey team is about to before they do, which I, I, this is no shade against uh, Blue Jackets fans, but it's just kind of funny. So anyway, that's that's my mood. Is there any like team in America that is more second fiddle than the Columbus Blue Jackets in their city? It, ooh. I, ooh, that's a great question. In terms of pro team compared to college from one of the big four. Oh, no, I'm just saying any two major teams, because any other team you could like say is like, you know, like if you have two pro teams in your city, usually like they're relatively equally like, I don't know, like, of course, football is always going to be bigger than hockey, whatever. But like when you think Columbus, Ohio, like that's I mean, I, I wouldn't even think of the Blue Jackets and, you know, I follow sports pretty closely. It's I feel like Ohio State it, like that's that is a really second fiddle team. The name does not help. They went for like a very obscure Civil War reference and then had to do like a mascot that doesn't make any sense. It, it, it nobody thought this out well. Nobody. You can't like half-ass Civil War references. Like if you're gonna do it, it needs to be like you know, uh, Sherman on a horse with a bloody sword or something. Like you can't. Yes. You can't just pull back on the implications there. We need to be beaten over the head with very obvious history references. And I'm a history major. <laughs> like we, we're Americans. We 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 can't go for obscure stuff. It's it just does not work. Uh yeah. 
at this point, I've it even feels like New England Patriots. Like people forget like what the Patriots were, like what what that means. Like it's, it feels it's like the at this guy point, in the like, helmet when... from their from their old cool uniforms. <laughs> it's Tom Brady. That's what a Patriot is. Yes. Um, there's a Bob Kraft joke that I'm not going to make. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Ace made the joke, but we just cut it. Everybody, just so you know, <laughs> this is slander. We have not cut anything. Um. This feels like an appropriate time to send it over to Dan for his big mood. <laughs> oh yeah, um, uh, this is the, we've all heard of Meltdown May. Um, this for college ball Meltdown August. Um, we are entering like truly the most psychotic part of uh, the college football off season, and it's it's the end of the dog days of summer. Like the season is within reach, and everyone's starting to pretty much like all off season. It's it's mostly you know uncontrolled unconstrained optimism because the the season becomes this sort of like distant um thing in the future that like doesn't even really feel real you're just kind of like talking about like oh if this person steps up and that person steps up we can really have something special whatever but now that the season like really is impending and soon your team is going to have to play a real football game against a real team things become a lot more real and you start to freak out about things like you know the back up offensive tackle missing a practice um, or like maybe your like second wide receiver was like in shorts and then there, someone took a picture of him um, or uh, your your quarterback threw like um, uh, a, a ball that was a little bit behind him that got that made the cut into like, you know, a promo practice video that the team put out. Um, uh, and these are the kind of things receivers that receivers returning punts again. Right, right. Things like that, that, you know, normal people like us would not freak out about at all. Yeah, um, definitely not. <laughs> I was I was muted. I was muted when you said that. So aren't you glad that I, I'm going to let it go? I'm just going to put myself on mute again. Keep keep going. There, there wasn't a, a muffled scream that we'll never hear. <laughs> what is he doing? <clears throat> Honestly, it's fine. This year we have more receivers, so it's it's, you know. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it, it's a really good time of year, and mess the message boards are just on fire. Um, everyone's just starting to you know completely lose their minds, and uh, it's we really need the season to get here. It's it's it, this is like the least fun posting time because you you can't really do the thing where you just like talk un unrequisite um like completely un you know unfounded shit uh because you're gonna have to pay for it pretty soon and like oh, I mean, maybe not... you can't do that i don't know man i mean I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but like and you also can't talk shit about like the games that have already happened yet so we we, we, we need we need the season to get here um and it's it's uh it's it's bad out here people are down bad for football i, I just had a thought we're getting really concerned about a quarterback battle between two guys who both played last year in a rotation i just i like it's funny to say I hate it, <laughs> but it's it's funny. Uh, it's objectively funny that we're in such a state about a, a quarterback competition involving uh, two quarterbacks who were used quite effectively last year in a season where Michigan made the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, Ace, like, look, what if but here's the thing. What if Jim Harbaugh decides to play the quarterback that's not as good at football? You know what mm. I mean? Mm. Um, oh, and well. that's something that I think we really have to be. You're hearing more and more people talk about that. They're wondering what if he decides to play Cade McNamara just because he doesn't want to win football games anymore. Um, and that's something we have to think about very strongly. We're going to have people look into that, and and we're gonna we're gonna be looking into that very strongly. It's possible that Jim Harbaugh has just mellowed out too much and lost his edge. We have to consider that. I think. Right, right. He doesn't care. He and that's the thing. He doesn't care as much as a bunch of like freaks in a uh, in a in a Twitter group chat. Um, and that's the biggest problem with Michigan football. <laughs> I think. That's 
<laughs> Jim Harbaugh's, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's lack of effort and lack of emotional intensity is uh, is really going to cost us this year. Um, I had a thought, though, which is very devilish. Speaking of Jim Harbaugh, I had the thought, which is that, like, if we, you know, not through actual persuasion, because no one's ever persuaded Jim Harbaugh of anything in, like, a literal way, but, like, if we just sort of manifested into being that that Ronnie Bell was not going to return punts, I just feel like it would be peak Jim Harbaugh to be like, you know, we decided to give Donovan Edwards a look back there. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how it would go so um you know pick your poison i guess that is entirely fair uh, they'll do it with dj turner it'll be fine <laughs> everything's fine he'll just put the number one corner in there i think that actually like i had so many things to be mad at jim harbaugh but i think the single maddest i've ever been at his coaching staff was when um Gosh, who was it that got dinged up and then they put Lavert Hill back there? <laughs> oh my god, dude! I was <laughs> he immediately got trucked. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I would rather them just muff the punt. That's fine. I don't. Was it like, Donovan Peoples Jones? Yeah, it was him. So he he got DPJ got like dinged up a little bit in the their first game of the season. We didn't also know a super awesome thing to happen by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Was, I mean, <laughs> I was, was okay great. with him returning punts because he was really good at it, but like that still was not fun. And then the the coaching staff was like, "Oh, don't worry. Like we don't have we only have one proven cornerback, so we're just going to put him back there." He immediately <laughs> he immediately drops the ball and gets hammered by the the gunner, and you're just like, "Well, that well, that was great." <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has two punt return buttons. One of them says it most indispensable player and the other says Caden Colasar. And so <laughs> the two options. So you're going to have to pick one. Um, you know, there's, there's no happy medium there. I think uh, we need to give Caden Colasar a serious look. I'm actually strongly in favor. We're of that, hearing so. more and more about Caden Colasar. We, we had the really over are. under on half an hour for a Caden Colasar mention. And I am happy to say we hit the under. Wow. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I should keep my big mood before we, uh, totally fall off the rails because it also leads into Connors because we still have two more of these to go. Oh my God. Um, so uh, Alejandro Zunega of uh, the Michigan Insider reported today that Michigan versus Iowa will be the annual uh, black and gold game at Kinnick. That does not mean it's the night game. It just means they're uh, striping out the stadium. They uh, Last year when they did this, they played Penn State at four o'clock in the afternoon. Also at that point, both teams were ranked in the top five. Fun memories. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, when Alejandro posted the picture, he posted a picture of the, uh, striped out stadium at dusk. And a lot of people were very afraid that this meant, uh, Knight Kinnick. And here's what I want to say about Knight Kinnick. It's a lie. So I want it. Um, I know that Michigan lost in 2016. I was there. I don't want to talk about it. Um, it was one of the just worst stadium experiences of my life, but. Um, Iowa has played one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, night big 10 games at home in the last 10 years. They've won two of them. One was the game that we're not going to talk about. And the other was a 40 to 35 shootout versus an unranked Minnesota team in 2015. Uh, they have lost to Penn state three times in Wisconsin once. I, I, it's a myth. I'm I'm ready. I want it. I'm so tired of hearing about Knight Kinnick that I want this game to be at eight o'clock. I I just I'm ready for it to be at eight. I want Michigan to win forty-two to seven or whatever it's gonna be. Six, because I was not scoring a touchdown. Let's be real. Um, we watched last year. Uh well, I mean the good news is that uh the host of this podcast being highly confident in a win, uh 
has never ever come back to bite us before. So I, mm. Ace, I fully endorse this. Uh, I want that smoke too. Yeah, the first time we ever did this show was an entire show about how how bad we we're going to beat the hell out of Michigan State in 2020. Um, well, that's... That, which happened as far as I remember. Right? I mean, yeah. 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 No one can remember back that far. <laughs> um. Yeah, what we oh, were God, spiritually was... correct. We 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 have never been wrong as if you take it in a in a objective vibes way. <laughs> Look, which Knight is a real Kinnick... thing. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get back to Ace's point, Night Kinnick is a thing that you believe in if you're just your entire consumption of college football is all about memes. Um you think Night Kinnick is very funny, you think Texas being back is very funny. Um Nebraska, Scott Frost, like this is how you consume college balls only through the things that you've seen other people tweet about. Um, Night Kinnick's not real. I'm not afraid of it. And Iowa is uh, a, a second or th- honestly a third rate program. And their team is not real. They don't have a real offense. It's Spencer Petrus. Um, I was rewatching the. Uh, <laughs> I was know, Dan put together all of the offensive <laughs> ratings for the Big Ten for uh, the bucket problem and then beat at midfield. Uh, and so his view of Iowa is particularly sour this year. Yeah, I had to learn way too much about those people. Um, and I, I was I was rewatching the the uh, the Big Ten championship game this weekend uh, with my buddies at a lake house, as one does. Um, and, uh, there was a point in which Dude's Gus right. Dawson said, he said, um, Spencer Petrus, he's feeling it. And Spencer Petrus immediately airmailed a ball out of bounds. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm just, it. I'm not afraid of this team. It's not, it's not something we have to worry about. And, uh, this is the last time we're going to talk about Iowa in this podcast, including in the week leading up to it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know. It's not that I consume college football via meme. I just have a weird feeling because, again, the last team that that Iowa did their Iowa thing to at home was Michigan. So, and I know they we don't scored talk fourteen about that points here, in that game, but that's so, such an I, Iowa thing to do. That's that's the most Iowa way to win a football game, and they do it. So that's the only reason why I I I feel concern. But I will not air that concern any further. I actually do think that I was very bad. So well, I... I'm going to defend Iowa's home thing, which is not always a night home thing, a little bit more because they have done that in not, not too distant past. They weren't night games, but they did do that they, bizarre like game against Ohio State. And then uh, their game against Penn State last year was just like a master class at Iowa Warlock powers. I mean, Penn State wasn't very good. But like, you know, Penn State, Penn State like, was terrible last year. <laughs> I know, but like, I, I don't know. Like this is that game just like everything. This is the thing. Broke we're pulling them. out we're pulling out individual game individual wins over the span of like five to ten years from a team that's supposed to be good at football. No, I know, but like what I'm saying is like we've just Iowa had no business being like, you know, a ten win, you know, division. They never have any business team. being no, that. I know, and they do it though. That like what I'm saying is like But like, they're in the past. Yeah, but like Kirk Ferentz does have some of those like immensely annoying and and hilarious warlock powers, and so I. But like, but at the same time, I mean, this is this ties into my big boom. At the same time, like Michigan is just a vastly better team and program than Iowa right now, and like we should be able to play them anywhere in the world and beat them soundly because we're just much better. So like, in that in that way, I re- I agree with you. Michigan's third string running back produced more points than Iowa's offense in the Big Ten championship game. That is, I. 
hey, I'm all I'm here for it. You know how I feel about Donovan <laughs> Edwards. I'm like the I have the Donovan Edwards fan club. I feel like he gets far too much disrespect with a K. So <laughs> it's actually it's going to be very funny for me to kick it right back to you for your big mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Connor, so I'm gonna... <laughs> explain yourself. Explain I'm gonna... yourself. I'm going to borrow uh my co-host Dan's one of his favorite take formats and just say that Michigan is allowed to simply become a better football program. It's not against the rules for Michigan to simply be better than they were in, in the early hardball years uh, to say nothing of the years before that, which we don't have to go into detail on. Um, and I think the most interesting overarching question about this year, like abstracting away from my emotional attachment is just from like a purely like, empirical interest standpoint like is this program actually improved and I, I don't just mean in terms of like 12 wins is more than 10 I mean like the stuff we saw last year at a you know from a macro to a micro level from like a defensive scheme that was creative and adaptive and modern uh to an offense that was still very much hard buy-in but um you know was much more coherent and just much more effective obviously to fitting uh roles to the personnel they have rather than trying to fit square pegs into round holes to much better game management and just like vibes where it feels like they found personalities among players and coaches, everything else that fit what they're trying to do. It all kind of works together in in unison and gets results. Like, was that all about having one really good year, as they say in Latin, an honest mirabilis? Uh, was that all about one miraculous year? Or is this program actually better? Like, is it actually the case that, you know, trading, get, getting new, getting new coordinators, getting new coaches, you know, um, change, you know, recruiting over time to, to certain specifications, whatever they've been doing, like, you know, is Michigan actually better? I suspect they kind of might be. Um, and so, you know, I like the like part of that for me is like, you change your heuristics and you say like, instead of worrying about playing a supposedly decent, although I don't know if that's true of Iowa this year, but like, mm. instead of worrying about like the Iowa game, can you just say, like, yeah, Connor, yeah, we, <laughs> well no i mean yeah it's exactly i mean i'm, I'm critiquing myself a little bit just saying like <laughs> instead of like We're worrying about the about iowa the game or even worrying about like uh, you know i um i'm actually not going to name any other names because i will just get myself in trouble if i name other teams that we maybe shouldn't worry about but uh i like is the I'll program same with better? your chest man <laughs> like no i mean because like i just think that this program this team absolutely should i'm not saying they will they should be 11 and 0 going into Columbus where they might get mollywhopped, but then again, they might not. And the program might just have gotten better. And we may have to just learn to accept that. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being good. That, that sounds cool to me. I also remember when they were good <laughs> before last year. It helps. It makes it easier to kind of lean into it. Um, I just want to point out that Connor used a phrase in Latin in, in on a football <laughs> yeah. podcast i just i just want to point that out i i just need to say that somebody who went to school at duke just like throwing out all these words talking about like fancy films what are we doing connor well where, this is a, where we, are you this is a michigan podcast I mean, this is a michigan football podcast ace has been reading old newspapers where they probably use even more obscure phrases and they're like i also took four years of latin so <laughs> oh yeah my like Ace is. i also i'm not gonna say i understood what connor said <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's been a while it's a fairly common idiom you guys okay? yeah no that that uh that one you could kind of just draw from you know <laughs> language context look uh, <laughs> my, my solemn promise on this podcast it has and always will be uh that i will not 
read or learn anything new. Um, so don't worry about that. You guys don't have to worry about me using big words. I'm going to keep it a buck with you guys. Two sil three syllables maximum for anything I'm saying. Boo, he changed mid-sentence to a third yeah. syllable. <laughs> the, one, the one exception being the word ostensibly, which is the only big word that I use. I like that one. It's a good one. Yeah, sensibly is a good one. It, it is tough to be a sports analyst and never say the proverbial blank. That's a lot of syllables, though, Dan. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't even know what proverbial means. I would just say, <laughs> I would just say the thing. Yeah, there are two types of Michigan graduates. There, like really, really smart ones. Um, oh, no, there's three. One of one's a war criminal. Two is <laughs> um, like people who who learn things and retain things things from their education. And then the third is like everyone on this podcast. Yeah, Yay! everyone here. <laughs> no, actually, Dan, just... Dan Dan has managed to apply his skills, and Connor did not go to Michigan, so he has managed to avoid this curse. <laughs> yeah, I might be I might be the dummy on the podcast. It's fine. I, I'm okay with that. I don't know that many words anymore. I cool. uh, I made an active decision to go into sports media right out of college. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the defense. Um, this is part two of our uh, mega podcast football preview. Uh, the offense was last week. I'll probably link that somewhere in the show notes if you missed it. And we're just going to get right into it. We're going position by position. At some point, there will be a home field ad read. You know the drill. Uh, interior defensive line. Uh, Michigan has, according to Bruce Feldman, the number one freak in the country. Mazzy Smith, nose tackle, 330-ish pounds, 34-inch vertical, uh, can jump upstairs with alarming speed. Um, also was pretty good at actual football last year. Not the most productive statistically, but he was hard to move. Uh, made the occasional play in the backfield and should be somebody who, at, at the very least, is a solid Big Ten nose tackle. And there is some pretty high upside given that athletic profile there have been some kind of i would call them deeply weird fall camp insider comments about like how he like could be michigan's most disruptive defensive lineman uh but with the caveat of if he gets into the backfield which is a very strange caveat given uh uh disruption on the d-line almost always means you are in the backfield so uh this is where i remind you that uh 95 of what you hear out of camp is just totally useless completely useless but uh, the physical measurements and abilities of Mazzy Smith, while maybe exaggerated a tiny bit, um, is pretty useful information. And I'm a fan of what he is bringing to the inside of the defense. I do have to say, like, I, I think Mazzy Smith is probably, you know, a freak athlete, um, super high on him, whatever. But I think it was very funny that, like, the, the numbers that were cited in that Bruce Feldman piece were like, Oh, he can jump up the ply on stairs uh, in three point two whatever seconds. I'm like, is that a lot? Like, is that I? That's not a common unit of athleticism. <laughs> I mean, once I saw the video, I was like, okay, yeah, that's impressive. But like, I it, he's <laughs> like, he's like, he he went up the whole staircase in three point two seconds. I'm like, I think I've been up staircases faster <laughs> than that, honestly, like a couple times. But yeah, no, he 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 he's a freak, and he's gonna be really good. I do love that, like, the one way in which Jim Harbaugh violates his whole, like, we're in the submarine and we're not going to leak anything is to send Bruce Feldman videos of, like, look how fast this guy can jump upstairs carrying a hay bale. Isn't that isn't that the best? <laughs> and then and then no one else does that. And Bruce Feldman's like, wow, yeah, it's pretty good. He's <laughs> number one. <laughs> best in the league. That's it. Number That's actually one the best the one. <laughs> um, I, I will just say, though, like, I 
I, you know, the obvious take that other people are going to have is I would say that personally, I haven't felt this good about DT, um, you know, interior line as it were, um, in, you know, since, uh, since 2016 or 2017, I guess. Cause, um, but like, it's been a while. It's been a minute. We complained about this, this position group endlessly when Don Brown was the DC justifiably. So it turns out, cause as soon as he left, it got way better. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think the the really interesting thing for me is like we keep hearing pretty firmly that they expect, uh, you know, the, the true freshman Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham to be rotation guys uh, this season in a real way, and they're probably going to be on the field immediately because Michigan should. I mean, you know, I God help us if they don't have a bunch of garbage time. They're playing three because... scrimmages before Maryland. <laughs> yeah, so like we're probably going to see many snaps for these true freshmen and many freshmen across the team, but it's like you know early on um and guys like benny who are younger as well so like i you know this could be a really phenomenal group with a ton of upside um and so you know i feel better about it than i have in a long time yeah it's really night and day uh just remember this time last year we were talking about this and it was truly like we were like yeah i guess donovan jeter like we we did we there was we had no sure things um i was almost just 100 sure this is gonna be a disaster last year um but this year, I feel kind of similar to, what, to the way I do about, weirdly, the wide receiver room in that I think there's a lot of really, really intriguing pieces, a lot of depth, um, a couple potential stars, but no one that I think is like a dude right now, kind of. Um, a lot of potential dudes. Nobody that I think like, look, I think Mozzie Smith is 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 a pretty sure thing, but even he like, you know, he was very good last year, but do I think that he was a guy that you have to game plan around. I not consistently two and a half tackles for loss in 14 games. Not exactly somebody that you're yeah. Game planning around. Um, But a lot of at the very worst, there's a lot, a lot of depth. And I, I really do. I I've been high on Rayshon Benny pretty much since he committed. Um, Not just because of the hilarious way in which he did it, but also (laughs) just because of like the, the type of athlete he is, the the pad level that he plays with. Um, I think a year in the weight room um, it really did him well. I mean, he was impressive in the Iowa game. Um, you know, Mozzie Smith, I think, is going to be really good. Chris Jenkins seems like he's really beefed up and the coaches love him. Um, and there's a couple of, like, defensive ends that can probably also slide inside on passing downs and, and you know, interesting ways they can work guys in. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on the interior defensive line as well. Yeah, yeah I... Yeah, Jenkins was one of Michigan's higher graded defenders last year on PFF, especially against the run. And uh, Michigan had a lot of pretty high graded defenders last year. So that's uh, not taking that lightly. And I mean, he's starting to look. I mean, I remember what he committed. He, he must have weighed like I think he was listed something like 230, 240 pounds. And people were pretty yeah. skeptical of him getting up to like defensive interior size. And now he very much looks like he is his father's son and that he's from the Jenkins family. Uh, like it, that that dude bulked in the off season, so I, I'm expecting. I, I I thought he looked pretty darn good last year when he was out there, and uh, I, I'm expecting a lot from him. And then Mike Morris on the other side, I think he's probably going to end up starting with like being playing both edge and the inside. But I think Michigan can use him on the inside because he has also uh, gained beef, and I also just think he's their most talented option at that spot. But I mean. As Dan talked about, this is almost like the receivers room where there's just uh, a number of players that you could see making a, a pretty significant contribution. Yeah, we should also talk. About, we oh, sorry, go ahead, Connor. I just wanted to say, like uh, I, Jenkins is a guy I really don't want to underrate because, like, everything I've seen from him on film, 
Like every time I've seen a highlight of his, it's it's always something really interesting. Like he's been he's shown a lot of bend. Um, you know, his like strength to body weight ratio is clearly excellent. Um, he's kind of like, you know, smoothly explosive. Like he's a guy, he's high on the list of Michigan guys this year where I feel like, you know, no one necessarily considers him a star in waiting, you know, as a sure thing, but like I could very much see him rocketing at the list of, of Michigan stars this year. So Okay, so I have a question. So so I I appreciate the comparison to the receiver room. I guess like thinking back on last week we that that sort of meant like you know it's a bunch of two two guys as opposed to like having like that stand out. I think maybe Mozzie Smith is does kind of enhance that, but I guess I'm just the the thing that is like a double-edged sword in this is that I wonder if like that means you know the the floor and the ceiling are just are super close if that makes sense at least right now at least for this year it's possible Uh, especially since like the like the high upside guys that other than Smith that we're talking about like I I still think Jenkins and Morris have a fair amount of upside but they're probably not going to be superstars and uh you know the three of the guys we're talking about here are some form of freshman and Benny Graham and Grant and then they got a transfer in Cam Good. He's probably gonna, if he plays, he's gonna be more a just interior plugger. Um, I, I, I see ahead. it. I, I honestly see it differently. Um, I see a lot of upside here, and I, I also think that, I think the floor is is solid enough to where I'm not worried about this group. But like I said about Jenkins, um, I see Jenkins as a potential high upside guy. I see Mozzie as a guy who hasn't explored his full upside yet. Same thing with Benny, and I think the freshman can you know potentially contribute. Like I actually think. I'm going to say this at the end, but I actually think DT is is the group that I'm like quietly most excited about just because it was a disaster under Brown. Got a lot better last year, but I see more upside with these guys than I did with um, Mozzie last year and Chris Hinton. So I, I'm, actually, yeah. I'm actually pretty psyched. Yeah, I, I also just want to say like, I think it's so sick that we finally have just like a giant guy that's like should is like too big to play football. Um like or like looks too big when he's out there. It's like unfair. Uh, Kenneth Grant, who's like 330 pounds, apparently has just been blowing the coaches away. Um, and it's awesome that like you know coaches finally realized that you're actually allowed to just put like the the biggest guy you can find out in the <laughs> middle of the offense. And it's they have to move him. He's huge. Um, this is what and every every middle school football coach can tell you this that yeah like you just get you know the kid that's like six two and like maybe a little bit heavy set um you recruit him from wherever you put a football helmet on him and you put him in the middle of the line and like yeah that whoever's like you know five nine 170 pound center is not gonna be able to move them off the line and that's what we're doing with kevin grant and it rules um you mean maybe an offensive lineman who's like got a lot of heart but maybe doesn't quite have the size yeah right right and like (laughs) it's it's like it's not his fault that he hasn't developed (laughs) to that point yet and his coach is being really hard on him about it, but like it's just a physics equation at that point. Um, and as much as he tries to explain to his coach that like I can't just you know get low to, to move this guy out of the way, and actually getting low isn't really the problem here. Yeah, it's not. It's, I can get as low as I could be underground. I'm not moving this 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 grown man off of the ball. Um, but you know what? That doesn't stop him from making this hypothetical uh, young offensive center <laughs> run after the game in practice and embarrassing in front of his friends and family um, against Holly Kong Middle School in 2007. Uh, 
So anyway, um, Kenneth Grant is, I think he's going to be good. Um, I hope he's not too mean to any of those, you know, hypothetical centers. Uh, I think that, um, and, and I, I do really think like, I kind of do agree with Taylor a little bit in that I, I do wonder like, who is the guy that's going to be, you know, a beast here. I think like Maj Smith is getting a lot of hype. I, I kind of, I think there's a lot of upside to explore with him. He's a huge recruit. And last year was really his first year playing a significant role, but I didn't quite see him flash as much as I would want to last year. He was really solid, but the floor here is really, really nice. Like I don't see this being any kind of liability for the defense. And that's a huge step up from last year. Um, I think the question is just like, is this the type of defensive line that is good enough against everyone besides Ohio state? Or is the kind of defensive line that, or the, sorry, interior defensive line that is, dominating against everyone and also is able to like make plays against Ohio state. Um, you know, last year, you know, I guess to be fair, they, they did pretty well against Ohio state yeah. last year, but uh, you know, rushing the passer, they, they got to figure it. They got to, you know, get more if they're going to be really elite. Yeah. We will, we will get to that momentarily. I do want to mention, you know, just to contextualize the performance a little bit, the three, four defensive linemen tend not to rack up big, big numbers. I mean, if you look at like Wisconsin's defensive fronts over the, over the recent years, Unless they've had a you know a JJ Watt um, or another Watt, um, really any Watt, um, but other other than when they've had that, uh, the interior defensive linemen are just kind of there to hold blockers, and the linebackers are the guys who really rack up the stats. And we'll see if that's the case here. I don't necessarily think that uh, that will be, um, especially with like Mike Morris because. Uh, you know they've they've listed him as an edge on the roster, even though I don't fully believe that. Um, so uh, uh, I think he's going to be somebody who moves around the formation a fair amount and will hopefully put up some some pretty good numbers. But uh, the numbers are more likely to come from the guys on the edge, uh, defensive backs who blitz, uh, and just kind of a number of guys on the team racking up low level numbers that add up to a decent figure. No, especially last year, I think that. You know, even when Michigan would go into, I think the three four part is 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 valid, but also you know Michigan's playing a lot of ultimately what becomes you know a four man front when they go to nickel, um, which mm-hmm. is honestly like the base for most of the time in in today's college football. But I do think Ace is right, especially with the way Michigan wanted to play last year, which was really giving their edges like maximal freedom to like be freaks, um, and that involved a lot of Mozzie Smith eating blockers and just kind of holding up the middle. So. Yeah, it totally is. I agree that like this this defense is going to look very similar to last year, and this is primarily a space eater position. What I think is interesting is I I see the upside here, as I've said, and I'm gonna you know genuflect to Steve Lorenz for saying this. Like as Michigan kind of saw last year with Georgia, like the one thing if there's one single thing that is like an unsolvable nightmare problem for any offense, it's interior pass rush. Like if you've got a guy that can get organic passage up the middle, you're just kind of fucked because like, what are you going to do at that point? And that's, you know, a lot of the really, really great defenses we've seen. You remember that. those Clemson teams with all the DTs that were unstoppable. Yeah. That, that was cool. Yeah. That, or, or Georgia or Georgia last year, obviously we saw that nightmare. Oh uh, yeah. Like... I was trying to not bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You can cut that. But um, <laughs> I just think like, I, I, I don't know that Michigan will have that. I think they, I guess my point is they have a better chance uh to have that than they have since they had uh Mohurst. Like they had the best shot at having it. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. No, I think uh we've probably covered our bases pretty well here, but this is a group that at the very least is gonna be good and on the on the high end could be, you know, one, two, maybe even three NFL players up there. So 
that that would be nice. I would like that. And uh, there's a there's a lot of talent behind, especially in Graham and Grant. Those are those are a couple pretty exciting uh, true freshmen. And Michigan Bay, uh, you know, buck uh, some some recent trends by or not really recent trends. Like they might embrace the recent trend of true freshmen actually contributing. Um, and I think Graham and Grant can both do that. We talked for so long about interior defensive line because we're just like so it's like we're just really relishing the fact that we actually have players to talk about here. Unlike previous seasons where it was like, I guess Carlo Kemp is nice. <laughs> is, is a nose tackle. Uh, Five yeah. years of my life talking about Donovan Peter. I mean, no offense to him, like no offense to the kid, but like, my God. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Carlo Kemp is really representative of an era because like he just like slowly progressed inside like one technique at a time <laughs> until all of a sudden he like he had gone for weak side defensive end to like zero tech and you were just like what in the world is going on here uh okay anyway edge um <laughs> michigan utilizes two of them unlike when they were under don brown um uh, anyway sorry i should not keep doing that um this is definitely our Area of greatest concern because Michigan loses two first round players in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. They were really good. They allowed Michigan to keep things relatively simple and not too risky up front while uh, maintaining solid coverage in the back. Um, I've been citing some numbers where Michigan uh, actually didn't come out that great in terms of uh, sack percentage and stuff like that. So I just want to balance those out. Uh, by mentioning that uh, Aiden Hutchinson had 74 quarterback pressures in 14 games. Um, so, yeah, 51 of those were hurries. That That's absurd. Uh, to put that in some further context, David Ojabo, who was damn good himself at getting to the quarterback, had half as many hurries. He had 25 um, and 43 total pressures. But... Um, Mazzy Smith, uh, quite promisingly, was third on the team in in pressures last year. So I think there is going to be uh, some interior push from him, especially since he should just be better this year. And um, God, I'm really avoiding just reading off the names of the guys at Edge because nobody's jumped out yet. But um, all right. The list of bodies, because that's really what we can do right now is just read this off, is uh, Taylor Upshaw and Jalen Harrell uh, both played. Some last year were not spectacular, but were, you know, solid. Uh, Braden McGregor was supposed to be Hutchinson the second coming out of high school, but uh, has dealt with some major injuries. Uh, it's kind of slowed his progress a little bit. Maybe this is the year he breaks out. Maybe there's not a breakout coming. We don't know yet. Uh, TJ Guy has played a little bit. Julius Welshoff also has played a little bit, and they're now finally using him as an edge player instead of trying to make him a 3-4 interior lineman, which was kind of a weird fit for him, given his athletic profile. Uh, there's a John Brown fresh... defensive tackle commentary again. Take a drink, everyone. Yeah, so. Hey, that was no. Uh, that <laughs> I, I, I held that, my that tongue earlier. Year. That happened last year. <laughs> when Ace uh, was talking about using one two edges instead of one, I, I almost said, I'm like, but Ace, what if you could, instead of having an edge, blitz Klee Hudson into an offensive tackle? Like, <laughs> that's, in mm. a lot of ways, that's better than an edge. Mm. In many ways, <laughs> indeed. Uh, if you're playing Minnesota, it is. Uh, uh, Derek Moore is a freshman with some promise. Uh, he might be another true freshman who at least gets some rotational snaps. And then there is a fascinating wild card here in five-star transfer, Iyabi Anoma, who uh, kind of appeared out of nowhere from uh, UT Martin, 
last week. Uh, you know, there were only two weeks to go into the season, so people weren't exactly on transfer watch. But he was a five-star who went to Alabama, picked Alabama over Michigan and a number of other very high-level offers out of high school. Uh, top 10 overall recruit. Um, saw the field as a true freshman at Alabama, but um, had some, uh, I think, academic and kind of attitude issues that uh, proceeded two transfers he transferred from alabama to houston uh after getting kicked off of alabama uh never even got to play for houston before he got kicked out of there ended up at tennessee martin which is an fcs program sat out a season and then ended up uh putting up decent numbers as a rotational player last year and i put up a post on meet at midfield.com which is free to all so um yeah check this out and then maybe click the subscribe button uh, i went through his film from ut martin as much as i could find and uh you can definitely see the former five star there he's uh not uh, very polished in terms of his technique but man the dude is uh is definitely an athlete so he is a very intriguing player to add just kind of at the last minute before the season starts and if there's a spot where you can kind of throw somebody out there without necessarily having them know the whole defense, like having an edge rusher and just, you know, pointing them at the quarterback, is something you can kind of do. Um, and I also saw him do stuff like spot drop pretty uh, adeptly for UT Martin. So I don't think he's somebody who can't pick up a defense, uh, especially with Michigan's rather uh, slow ramp up in the schedule, as we've been discussing. I, I think Vianoma is a, like, he's a really good segue into the point I want to make, which is like, I share everyone's concern. It is a little bit of a clown car uh, situation where there's just a ton of guys and we have no idea what it's going to look like because all the snaps went to, you know, the like <laughs> superstar level players we had last year. Um, but that is all that is to say, like, given that Michigan has been just an unbelievable factory for producing NFL edge players, like, this is not just my take. This is a 24 7 take. Like, their analysis, even prior to Hutchinson Ojabo last year, the only program over the last several years that's competed with Michigan for like producing NFL edge guys is Ohio state. And um, hmm. they've had some well, pretty good ones. You might recall. Yeah. Sure. But it's just like, my, my point is this, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I could still kinds of scenarios, but the chances of one of these guys turning out to be a really good pass rusher and a really good edge player are quite good just because of Michigan's like track record. Just like that's, that's the empirical evidence we have. And also just the sheer number of players that are available to try at this position. You got to think that maybe one or two of them are this, actually this position. <laughs> this position is just us doing like the SB Nation thing where we just kind of like list the roster. Yep. <laughs> and, yeah, no, we're just and, reading uh, names. One of them is yeah. literally named Guy. We're, we're, right. we're listing guys. <laughs> we're yeah, reading the, names. <laughs> the, the one thing I wanted to add is just that I do a little bit, you know, we said the same thing about like Michigan being fine at corner. Um, until they very much weren't, you know, and I, I do believe, I think there's enough, it's not gonna be a disaster, like the 2020 cornerback room. Um, one of these, you know, even if it's just Upshaw and Harrell, like who I think I, I really liked Harrell against the run last year. I think Upshaw is a guy that like just does his job. It'll probably be okay. Like, it's just, the question is like, is, you know, Michigan has gotten really used to having two elite pass rushers on their defense. They pretty, I mean, I would say even like the worst pass team under Harbaugh was probably 2015, which had like three, four, you know, future, uh, future draft picks uh, at edge. But, yeah, you know, I just, I'm just statement, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like relatively speaking, that's probably the worst one. Um, and so I think Michigan fans and the defense itself is going to have to get used to like, 
okay, our, our edge, our, our defensive ends are not immediately, you know, in the quarterback's rib cage. Um, we're going to have to get a little bit more, um, a little bit more creative. And I think the coaches are aware of that based on kind of like the chatter that we've been seeing. Um, it seems like they're, they kind of do understand that, you know, edge play is at least going to fall off a little bit. Um, I do want to say, I really like, I like Jalen Harrell more than most people. I think like he just, I thought I really liked the way he played, um, you know, last year, especially against the run. Uh, but you know, yeah, look, the, the, the top end pass rushers, I, I don't think it's being a pessimist to say that, like, it's going to be a big step down from last year. I just yeah. want to say Dan's being very sober right now, but his comments about Ayabi and Noma in the group chat have not been. Sober. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I didn't say anything about Ayabi and Noma who I'm very glad we look, I've said, I said some things about, uh, about how excited I was for him that I, I can't quite totally repeat on the, on the uh, podcast, <laughs> but, um, I'm just saying that I think it's, all the character, quote unquote, character issues and quote unquote red flags people have been uh, hand wringing about that. That to me is just having that dog in you. Um, yeah. And this is a guy that was a hundred overall on two four seven sports, and uh, I like playing edges and hard. Uh, it'll he'll figure it out, and when he does, I think I think he'll be good. Um, like that athleticism, he's he's six six two seventy or or six four two seventy. He's he got a get off. Like it's just gonna. It'll he'll figure it out. Like he's got two years of eligibility. Like, yeah, let's roll the dice. Like, why are we worried about this? It's it's crazy to me. Crazy. What Dan is saying is that Ayabi yeah. Anoma is the guy in the sports movie who shows up at the start of the second act. Uh, you know, and we just see like how powerful looking he is, and then bad to the bone plays, and we know we're about exactly. To <laughs> yeah, we've, he's, uh, I, we've been hearing yeah. more and more in the group chat that uh, Dan has in the Yabi a boner. <laughs> oh, no. oh no i don't oh. like that <laughs> i don't like that at all <laughs> we are as always brought to you by home field apparel we have a new promo code meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first order from homefieldapparel.com uh they're now doing pro sports i guess uh because uh last week they they canceled big new saturday uh, ohio like, state canceled big new saturday it was a very strange strange turn of events uh but yes uh big new saturday is no more but uh they are launching uh an indiana indianapolis colts uh line of apparel which is uh um it i've seen one of the hoodies it looks pretty darn good um if you're an nfl fan uh, apparently that's a thing now uh is nfl home field so uh get in on that we are also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BucketProp. You get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BucketProp. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. And use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You guys like like that transition, didn't you? Uh, that was really nice. Yeah. Um, I do just have one quick thing to say about Edge. Uh, well, two quick things. The first is I do think that this is this position specifically is going to kind of tell us a little bit more about uh, Jesse Minter as the defensive coordinator. I think that obviously this is the area, um, as as you kind of alluded to, is of the most concern because you're losing um, absolute superstars um, in Hutchinson and Ojabo. But this. I mean, the assumption is that Minter is basically going to run it back, um, that it's basically going to be the same sort of defense um, and it's not going to rock the boat too much. But Edge is kind of an area where he can experiment a little bit and, and see and kind of throw spaghetti against the wall. 
to see what sticks. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. Um, I would also say to actually make a point about the quote-unquote character issues um, for Anoma. I, I, Michigan's a nerd school. Like, this is a nerd program full of nerds. I think that it will be fine. It's not as if the defense is built around him. And I think that if something does happen where, uh, and you, you know, people, people who are like speaking about this as if some sort of behavioral issue or like character issue is going to happen are like kind of manifesting that for him. And that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of rooting, I'm rooting for this kid. And I also think that, you know, it's not earth shattering if it does not work out, whether it is the transition back to FBS or anything academically or character wise. I obviously there are like certain things that are absolute red flags that are absolute non-starters, but I do think that overall those things would have presented themselves by now. And Michigan for, for the critiques we have about, Michigan athletics, the football program, whatever it may be, they don't generally like under Harbaugh, they don't do that bad of a job identifying guys. So I think it's not as pronounced of an issue as it should be. And when you hear Harbaugh talk about the defensive leadership of, for example, Mozzie Smith, he keeps coming up because he is a defensive like leader. You've got, um, you know, you've got Taylor Upshaw, you've got graduate like and senior guys around him and the right staff around him that I'm not uh, concerned about this and I I really I don't think that the the discourse is particularly fair knowing that that kind of you know at the end of the day Michigan again Michigan fans are nerds everyone here are nerds I mean that respectfully and full of love but it is worth letting it ride out and see how it plays out because again, it's not as if we brought him in as a five-star freshman and are building a defense around this kid. It is worth the experiment, in my opinion. I mean, also people are just doing the like, you know, a, a astrology chart, galaxy brain stuff that that we all did when Michigan could never ever beat Ohio State and we were always not good enough. And it's more just like, yeah, they brought in a five-star flyer to see if he's good at football and we should just assume that like you know if he stays with the program it's because he's doing well at football and like why are you all overthinking this so much <laughs> yeah if if things don't work out he is no longer going to be with the program it will go back to how it was before and if uh one transfer brings down your entire locker room your problems go way beyond bringing in just that one transfer so yeah and yeah and as far as like locker room culture goes like Everyone that's ever played football knows that uh, you absolutely do have people on your team that you absolutely cannot stand. But what 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 helps that is just winning. Like if you're losing and you're a losing team, you're going to start fighting the people that you don't like on your team and like getting into scuffles at practice or whatever. Um, but if you're winning, those are all your best friends and uh, you would die for them. And that's just kind of how football goes. That's how he, like the human brain works. And yeah, Yabe Anoma is not going to ruin Michigan's uh, pristine culture. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be fine. Uh, we move on to the inside linebacker. This is where Michigan has one of the potential breakout players. Junior Colson was uh, basically a starter, full-time starter last year. 
and is getting a lot of practice hype, including as somebody who's going to be able to get to the quarterback a little bit, which would be nice. And Michigan is definitely going to need to use their linebackers more in as blitzers. And Josh Ross was also pretty good in that role, which is something that they will they will need to replace there. The other starting starting spot appears to be going to Nakai Hill Green. They also have Michael Barrett, who's the, got plenty of experience. Has been not bad when he's been out in the field. So I, I feel pretty good about the fact that they've got uh, a few quality options there. And then not a ton of depth beyond that before you start getting to freshmen. But it's inside linebacker to three four. Um, you want guys to stand out there, but you don't need a ton of players there. Anybody got inside linebacker? Oh yeah, sorry. No, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to wait. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, oh, dude, I forgot about that position. Damn. Um, no. Uh, yeah, Junior Colson. I, I, I do think people are. I'm super high on him. I'm super high on him as, as a recruit. Um, I do genuinely kind of, generally kind of think that people are assuming he's going to be like a stud this year, and he very well could be. But he, for sure, was not. He played. He played last year. I wouldn't say that he played well. Um, he was boomer bust. Not, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely he was good bust. for a freshman. I don't know. I mean, like linebacker. Look, yeah. linebackers hard as a freshman. Linebacker right. is really hard. Linebackers really hard as a freshman. And I think he he acquitted himself admirably uh, for the most part. But you know, and I think that like a second year in the program, like he very well could just be a stud tomorrow. Um, but I think that there is a range of possibilities that we should probably take into consideration. Um, at the very least, he's going to be, you know, more sure of himself. He's very, very fast. He's, he's, uh, he's very athletic. He's a great blitzer. Um, so the floor there is like still just like an ex- at least an explosive playmaker. And I think he's got a good partner in crime because I think the Kai Hill green is um, a, a pretty steady hand that I don't think got as much credit as he should have last year. I, I really liked the way he played. I liked the way he tackled. Um, I thought he was a heady player. Uh, and I think that he can be a good compliment to junior Colson. Um, I think this is the place where I would be most concerned with an injury though. However, cause you know, uh, it seems like a lot of their sophomore classes are, have not panned out just based on some of the commentary that we've heard. Um, Michael Barrett's going to be the next guy. He has played inside linebacker and I thought he was definitely better as a like Viper hybrid guy. Um, they'll probably use him in that role again, where I do think he is good. He's a good blitzer. He's good at, um, you know, covering tight ends and all that. Um, but I don't love him as an inside linebacker. Uh, and I don't really know who they're going to go to if one of their top two gets hurt. So this is the position where I would say like, hey, let's not have an injury. I, I disagree. I mean, w- Colson, I thought, played quite well for a true freshman. He had some notable mistakes, which like I am very much in the camp of like you make mistakes as a freshman and you get better with coaching if you're at all good at this. Um, and, and I think that in, I think that that I think that analytics culture has actually like led us to overthink that stuff a little bit. Um, but like, you know, the, 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 the context here is like Michigan had two true freshmen play a lot last year in Nikai Hill Green and Junior Colson. And it actually worked shockingly well. Um, Josh Ross is obviously gone, but like my, my only real takes here are like, we need Junior Colson to stay healthy. I mean, both him and Hill Green honestly need to stay healthy. Like they're, they're both key. And if they are, I think this group will be, will be quite strong. My other prediction is I do think that uh, Jimmy Rolder, I think, will eventually be very good, and I think he's going to have to play a lot this year, just because looking at realistic scenarios, I think he's probably, you know, if he works out this year, he'll probably be their third or fourth best option. Uh, I mean, unless someone surprises me a lot, so I think he'll be out there a lot, and hopefully not too much, because hopefully there won't be injuries. 
Yeah, we've definitely got our fingers crossed at this position because it's uh, it thins out pretty quickly. Uh, Hill Green also, for what it's worth, a third year player this year. He registered in twenty twenty. Um, well, twenty twenty did not happen, Ace. So uh, you know, I I don't recognize the statement you just made. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> All right, let's move on to cornerback and nickel because there's only so much you can say about inside linebacker. Um, <laughs> but uh, DJ Turner turned into kind of a number one cornerback like a, a very good one over the second half of the 2021 season, like really locked down a starting spot, uh, had uh, acquitted himself pretty well against both Penn state and Ohio state teams with very good receivers. Uh, obviously <laughs> uh, Jamon green has been a pretty solid starter for a couple of years. Those two should line up on the outside again. If they don't, it's because Michigan had a five-star freshman breakthrough and will Johnson, uh, Jalen Perry and Jaden McBurrows are both uh, guys who have gotten some practice hype as being ready to contribute in one way or another. And that means you've got five viable players at cornerback. That's pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, we're not sure about how Michigan will handle the slot. They moved Mike Sainra still from wide receiver to nickel. And while Michigan did have a, a glut of receivers and could very much forward to take Sainra still out of that room. Uh, the fact that he is kind of locked down the starting job there, it seems, without a whole lot of competition when he's a pretty small dude and seems like uh, ideally you'd rotate him out uh, on standard downs and just have him be a, a nickel on, on in pure passing situations. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that spot, if I'm being honest. Uh, but Michigan may be able to... There are a lot of different ways that you can utilize that slot defender and it could be a third safety it it could be uh you know a third more traditional cornerback um you know maybe slide turner or green or johnson inside or they can try out one of the true freshman hybridish uh players in zeke berry or keon sab who are both uh pretty well regarded but you know putting a true freshman out there is a, a little nerve-wracking at a, at a very important position up the middle of the defense so I'm feeling very good about the the outside and a, a little nervous about that that slot. The the discourse around nickel has just been weird enough. I totally agree with you, Ace. Like it's been strange enough, like how much they've talked up Sainristol that like I kind of almost think that they're gonna do the the three safeties thing and just have Rod Moore uh play nickel. I also like whenever Jaden McBurrows gets healthy, I would expect him to be out there a lot because he was like definitely in, on track to contribute, but he's hurt. So I'm I share your your sort of like I, I I share the perplexed feeling that you have. I will say like I think Michigan's chances of having you know two very good uh, outside corners that can be left alone on most receivers is good, which is always a really important starting point for a defense. So hey, yeah, I, I just oh god, okay. okay, yeah. I mean, I think this this is maybe I think Will Johnson. If if that works out, is is versatile enough that that if Sanderson doesn't work out particularly well, you could try him in the slot because he does have that athleticism. But I don't necessarily know if if that's like my favorite thing. Um, I I think that this is this is giving me a little bit of like weird vibes right now because we because Michigan does see like a very good passing attack very early in Maryland then Iowa which again that doesn't count <laughs> then 
Um, Although they got to guard Sam Laporta, so they do need to figure out the slot. <laughs> well, yeah, they they do need to figure out the slot, um, and I do think and I do think that that'll be fine. Uh, relatively speaking, um, don't don't fast forward to October and find this take if it doesn't work out. Um, but I do think that that like Maryland, Penn State, Michigan State, those are going to be real. Those are like real games for for this particular position. Like it's it's something that does kind of give me a little bit of pause. Um, it is something that I highlighted in a Penn State preview that I did for for the site. Um, I personally think that that you know those early games are a good opportunity for Johnson, and then Maryland is a real test. And I would would suggest maybe that's a good option. But if they're as high on Sanger still as, as they say they are, I we can trust until we see. But but we'll we'll find out. I, but all of this to say, like my hesitance and my concern is not the same as what I had at edge. I do think that this is probably fine. And of course, you've got like really solid outside corners that are going to take care of take care of what needs to be done. Yeah, I think one thing. So DJ Turner, we know is good. Um, I am buying uh, where we've been got, getting a lot of like, hey, Jim on green is taking a step back towards where he seemed like he was headed. Um, I buy Jim on green. I, I still like him as a, a uh, um, at least as a man corner. Uh, he's tall. He's fast. Um, he was better. He was way better than DJ Turner in 2020. Um, and, you know, obviously DJ Turner was better last year. Um, he did get hurt last year, which kind of could have like taken away from it a little bit. So I say that all to say like the, the floor there is Jim on green and the ceiling is probably as the season goes on, like Will Turner, um, who, or pff, Will Turner, Will Turner, who's Will Turner, <laughs> Will Johnson. I've done um, that. He's the guy. Isn't that the guy from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? That's right. That is correct. I knew there was. And the fact that DJ Turner's there made me want to say Will Turner. Okay. Will Johnson, um, who I think is, I'm just super high on as a recruit and I think could like easily play right away. So in terms of your outside corners, I feel pretty good. Um, and I kind of am willing to buy Mike Stainer still for a couple reasons. Uh, a, because the receiver room was so crowded that he almost had to move just because like someone was going to transfer if he didn't. <laughs> and uh, I think that like, he's been an excellent special teams player. He's the type of guy that like lays incredible blocks, which is honestly very similar to the way that you need to take on contact as a nickelback. Um, you need to be, able, you need to be like small and agile enough to cover a slot receiver, but you also need to be like physical enough to come up and, you know, set the edge on run plays that come your way. Um, and take on blocks from other wide receivers. So I kind of do buy him buy him there at nickel. I, I'm not going to say he's like going to be all league or anything. And I think it's also very possible that, you know, they end up going R.J. Moten, uh, R.J. Moten, um, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on it, Makari Page, and, uh, Rod Moore. you know, Rod Moore all as like your three safeties instead of having a nickel. It's very possible that, they're tr- that they really like Mike Sainer still, and they're just trying to give him this hype. Um, that's something that we've seen the coaches do in the past. Like, you know, maybe he'll come out and start the first game and, you know, there's as, almost and always sort of... somebody from fall camp that gets talked up to an extreme degree and then totally disappears when fall comes. Right. <laughs> right. I don't think that'll happen to Sainer still because no. like the absolute floor is like, he could still be an asset as a wide receiver. So yeah. the fact that they've kept him at defense makes me think that he is actually good. Um, I, I'm willing to buy this more than other positions, which is given like, you know, the, the context around it. I, I can't, I can't work myself up into getting too worried about cornerback. Um, Cause I think like 
again, if, if you're top, if, if, if Mike Sanders still can't play and you've got Jemon Green, DJ Turner, and Will Johnson, like, I can't see that being a bad trio. And they've got time to ramp it up before Maryland. Like, I don't know. I think it's going to be fine at corner. And I really like Zeke Berry and Keon Sab too. I think those guys Absolutely. could potentially, like, be good. I mean, I mean, like, not Dax Hill level players as a freshman, but, you know. I, I love Zeke Barry. Yeah, and, I, I love Zeke Barry. I think he is going to be. He would be an ideal Nickelback as soon as he gets up to speed. Yeah. So, and there, as we keep saying, there is time for players to get up to speed this year. I do want to say something about the outside corners real quick. I think Jamon Green, like both, like the in, like him not playing as much uh, last year, and DJ Turner just being so dang good has overshadowed that he was actually like uh, Jamon Green was pretty darn good himself last year. Uh, DJ Turner allowed a uh, NFL quarterback rating of 55, according to pro football focus. Uh, anyone want to guess what Jamon Green's was? Um, I think I know this answer. So I'm going to, st- I'm not going to participate in this game. Cause no, cause I looked it up. <laughs> was it, is it a 48 or something like that? It's 69. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's real good. Um, That's like pretty good. I, and he was also like not targeted very much for the number of snaps he played, which, generally indicates that you are doing a good job in coverage of not letting your man get open. So I I mean, I think green, especially given the word out of camp that he looks better than he did last year uh, when he was dealing with some, some injury stuff. I mean, the other thing is there's a big fat zero in his pass breakup category and people tend to look right at that and go, Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Um, But he didn't allow, like, you know, he didn't allow that much. Uh, You know, some of the plays that got hit on him, were bigger than what DJ Turner allowed, but he was really good at just keeping the ball from going in his direction in the first place. And that's like 85% of the battle as a quarterback. I, yeah. That, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I have a hard time just like getting too worked up about the Michigan corner. Well, so actually let me, let me backtrack. I just wanted to say, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Steve Klink scale, um, who I think is one of the strengths of this room for sure, given that, you know, we've already seen uh, that guy take, um, you know, the the sort of like depressive husk of Vincent Gray from 2020. I was about to say guy. there there are other podcasts saying that Vincent Gray is a is a major loss for Michigan. Uh, right, right. That, that, came, like, that came up on a national podcast. Uh, I won't name it because that's an embarrassing thing to say. Well, I, you know, it's, the thing is, like, it's it, we all know why it's a funny take, but like he played well last year and, you know, he looked like he belonged, as Dan said, on the field with Garrett Wilson. And so, like. You just have to believe that Clink is going to have these guys looking pretty good. I think the evidence is in favor of that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, just kind of the stuff that uh, A said about Green is like it's kind of all the stuff that just like looks bad on paper is just really being used to kind of say yeah, it's not going to work out. And again, of course, like he's coming up behind Dex Hill, and that's that's a hard place to be. So I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This was a very good pass defense last year, and they, uh, you know, losing Gray and Hill is worrisome. But I, I really like the players that they have able to rotate in, and uh, that allows us to transition to the safeties, uh, which might kind of, as as Dan mentioned, uh, patch up the worries we have over the slot because R.J. Moten has been uh, pretty good. Um, 
and a, a relatively reliable center field defender, which is something that as a young player is not always a guarantee. Uh, Michigan fans uh, with a longer term memory about safeties uh, know that all too well. Rod Moore really burst onto the scene, especially over the latter half of the season. And he has, he seemingly locked down that strong safety slot. He'll play over the slot a fair amount uh, as well. And then we mentioned Makari Page. He was somebody who the coaches uh, started in on opening day in 2020. Um, we won't say how that went, but uh, you know, he's had a couple of years to practice since then. And uh, we believe he has gotten significantly better. Um, so a, another spot where there is, there's also Caden Coldasar. We are uh, contractually obligated to mention that. Um, yeah, I, I, I that's, think... that's the summary right there. It's Caden Coldasar all the way, all American. Yeah, so. I won't. I won't say anything about you know why that is, but uh, let's just say like you know we we have certain people that we have to kick up to in in this thing of ours, um, and uh, in, in the Mich- <laughs> in the Michigan blogosphere, we, we and, gotta throw uh, some lobs every once in a while. Yeah, we will get whacked by uh, you know the the man upstairs if if we ever say anything <laughs> negative about B- big log is coming after us. <laughs> Uh, we're in trouble if we don't we don't cover these bases. Um, I, I I just want to say like a couple things. I think I. I like RJ. I'm, I'm not trying to say, say about the guy because he just seems like a solid safety who I think should do some ball catching drills. Uh, needs to work on that a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love Rod Moore. Like Rod Moore is one of my favorite uh, recruits from the last few years, just because he was like a pretty anonymous, like true three star from Ohio who got no Ohio State attention. Like comes in as an undersized safety and is like you know starting against Ohio State, dragging the receivers down from behind, and you're just like, all right. This is the kind of pissed off, underrated Ohioan that we need on this in this program. Um, very much love that kid. I think he's going to be great. Um, Makari Page is fascinating to me because his arc is one of the stranger ones I can remember. Where like he was one of the very few freshmen in the entirety of Don Brown's tenure as DC who was like allowed to start as a true freshman, which was deeply strange. And then he <laughs> was just buried on the depth chart the next year. And now apparently he's back in good graces and will play again. And like, I mean, great. Like, you know, he, I think he's probably going to be pretty good. This is the group. This is the group where it's most just like, you have to say like, we've seen a lot, a lot from these guys. They're going to probably be pretty good. There's no obvious deficiencies. And, you know, I would say if anyone's going to become a superstar of this group, I think it's my boy Rod Moore, but yeah. Yeah. I really like Rod Moore. I think he's a tremendous tackler in space. Um, I, he made a lot of plays coming up in in run support to chop plays down at like 15 yards rather than let him letting him go for like 30 plus. Um, and I, I think that's a super underrated thing for a safe to be able to do. Uh, I think RJ Moten is a really impressive athlete who had all things considered a pretty good year last year. But I will say that I think that he um, there were times that he he was not as good at like one of the things Brad Hawkins did that was elite was really just like pin plays in at, at the point at the deciding point where it's like, OK, is this going to be a 25 yard gain or like a touchdown? And Brad Hawkins did a really, really good job not allowing those touchdowns and living to see another down. I don't think RJ Moten did the same job. I think he ran into blocks a lot. I think he did that thing where that a lot of young safeties do where they come up and they, they try to make like the, the tackle where they like fly the in through the screen play. and yeah. you know, the hero play and like they just miss and it's like, okay, now this is a touchdown. Um, so I think he can get better at that. That's a, that's a normal young safety thing to do. 
And I think he's a really good athlete. And, you know, the only other thing I will say about him is like RJ Moten catch an interception challenge level 1000 impossible. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, no, he was a then, baseball player. He's used to having a mitt for that. He was right, a pro exactly. level center fielder. It's very weird that he can't catch. Which is actually right uh, the, well, the other thing that we should mention here in regard to that is this is probably going to be the second year of his life that he is like fully focused on football. So uh Yeah, it could get really good. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I think the the um improvement curve there could be pretty steep. I'm just imagining like RJ Moten like has you know fully forsworn baseball, but like after practice, Jim Harbaugh is approaching him with like a couple mitts and a, and a bat. It's just like <laughs> RJ, you want to play some catch? You want to do some grounders? <laughs> no, coach, I got to go watch film. <laughs> uh, that's a great visual. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna do special teams real quick before getting to our takeaways. Uh, they should be good. Uh, Jake Moody won the Lou Groza Award last year. And that goes to the best kicker in the country. Uh, He's back. He's a preseason All-American. Uh, he hits a like slight draw on his kicks, and it looks really beautiful. I don't know. Like he's great. Um, hit a real clutch one against Nebraska too. We kind of forget that Michigan needed him to uh, pull their asses out of the fire in that one a little bit. Uh, Brad Robbins is a relatively nondescript starting Big Ten punter. I don't. I don't really have a lot to say on him. He's he's solid. He's not great, uh, but. You know, he's a punter. It's fine. He doesn't shank him. That's the most important thing. Uh, returners is where, uh, like, Michigan has a lot of really good athletes uh, to put in there. And we are hearing a lot about um, uh, Ronnie Bell. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm a little nervous about who they put back there. Uh, the idea of, like, Blake Corum at, at kick return and Ronnie Bell at punt return is making me a little nervous. But I don't know. A uh, little nervous is an understatement. That yeah, is the worst thing buckets. I've ever heard. Um, so I, I would be a fan of, I don't know, AJ Henning doing both. Uh, maybe Andrew Anthony helping out on kick returns. But uh, at the Let's very least, go they have full. a lot of players. Almost, almost literally anyone else. Almost literally anyone else. There's no, There are no bad answers here, Jim. Let's go full really. peak D'Antonio and just put J.J. McCarthy back there, return punts. He's got some speed. Like, you know, he can, I'm <laughs> sure he can pull it off. The thing that would that be a hell ups- of a way to decide the quarterback competition, Connor. <laughs> the thing that just really upsets me is, like, I understand Ronnie Bell wants to give it another go. I understand that he wants to try again. I understand that he, like, wants to do this. And it's, like, exciting for him and he wants to prove it. Not everyone gets to live their dreams, Ronnie. <laughs> I wanted to be a classical musician. I played French horn from fifth grade. I did play through college, but I I did not pursue it as like a major. I I stopped when I realized like right around like in between junior and senior year of high school that it was like, this is not going to be in the cards for me. I'm not going to make any money. I should just like go to school for something else. Not all of us get to live our dreams. You're you're so close to living your dream of, of playing football forever. That's really cool. And I think that that's awesome, Ronnie, but please, please, I am begging you. Like, like my parents were like, you know what you should do? You should get a music minor or you should like find an orchestra to join, which I did. And I had a really lovely time. Shout out to the Michigan pops orchestra. Um, your real ones. Um, but, but my point being, it's nice that you that that Ronnie Bell wants to do this. I just really don't think it is it is in 
it's not justifiable unless he is really 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 good at it right like that's the thing which i will say i mean like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give a butt i'm gonna give a butt if he is there are enough receivers on the roster this year this is this was not the case last year which was part of the reason i was so annoyed about it there are enough receivers on the roster this year that if Ronnie Bell is genuinely very good at fielding punts, which I think AJ Henning was electric, but often muffed the ball, which was not great. <laughs> uh, if Ronnie Bell is genuinely like the best player on the roster by a wide margin at doing this, then I'm fine with it, but I would like him to fair catch as much as possible. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, I... Kick return is one where it's like Blake Corum should not be anywhere. Blake Corum should, as as Stephen A. Smith would say, he should be locked in a closet, uh, with <laughs> handcuffed, nowhere even near a football when there's a kickoff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Corum and Corum Edwards is actually a bigger problem than than Ronnie Bell. Like, I love Ronnie Bell. I hope everything goes well for him. But like, I I agree with Dan. Like, actually, I'm fine with any of the like receivers who are higher on the depth chart who want to do this doing it. Although I will say. I am open to Caden Colasar being back there. Like uh, I, it also, no, we're, we're I think, open to this. We are, we yeah, are no. not joking. Open to this. Let's, yeah. If he can, if he can, if he can field the punt, field the punt. Yeah. Just catch it <laughs> yeah. on the fly and we're cool. Honestly. But I, I guess my just major thing is sort of like, I guess I get it. I, I sort of see Ronnie, but especially if Cade is the starter, if, if McNamara is the starter, I see Ronnie Bell as like a really real as like a very reliable receiver, a nice track down. He can kind of be anywhere, which is why I sort of see his value. But I guess again, there is a depth of wide receiver talent that perhaps you're convincing me that Ronnie Bell can live his dreams uh, tentatively. I still uh, don't love it. I, well, two things. Number one, I feel like both both Dan and Taylor have shared childhood traumas, so I guess Ace <laughs> and I have to have to get, pick one before yes. the end of the pod. Um, but I, I also like, um, uh, you know, I'm so tired at this point. I think I forgot what I was going to say. Something about Ronnie Bell. Um, anyway, Taylor, what you were saying is beautiful. So uh, we'll, just, we'll just roll with that. <laughs> that's it. That's you can tell we are over 90 minutes into taping this. Um, all right. Let's just do uh, which unit do we feel best about and worst about and get out of here because we're all uh, um, fading. Uh Connor, uh, I'll start with you. Which unit do you feel most confident in? Um, defensive tackle. It, it feels good to say that. I am actually really excited for that group. And in, in particular, I said it earlier, but I think Chris Jenkins is a super exciting player. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Taylor, anything to add to that? I see you also have defensive tackle written down. No, but I'm very, very high on Mozzie Smith, as I've said for several weeks now. Uh, huge fan. I think it's all going to go well. All right. Dan? Yeah, I'm going to answer my own question, um, which is uh, different than the the original good, prompt. Good, um, it's your podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I got best and worst. Um, I feel, yeah, I feel best about defensive tackle, and I feel worst about edge. I don't really think that's. I kind of think that's like not even like a disputable take about this defense. It's pretty hard. Um, I'm going to try. <laughs> that that's god bless you ace god bless you um but i think that you know when i think about what i think this defense is going to look like at the end of the season um i think it's going to be the type of thing that it's going to be a lot worse at rushing the passer it's going to have to be an everyone chips in thing there's going to be have to, have to be a lot of blitzes um i think the secondary is going to really improve to the point where it's 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 one of the best in the country by the end of the year um and i think the big the, the really big uh, X factor for whether this is going to be a top 
I don't know, 10 defense or top 25. I think the floor is top 25. They're just, they're, they're too talented to be worse than that. Mm-hmm. Um, the X factor for whether this is going to be another, like, you know, very, very good defense or even elite is a, obviously look, it'd be great to find like some top end pass rushers. I kind of don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, but then be like, yeah, what are, what are the linebackers like? If, if the pass rush is just okay, but we have elite linebacker play from junior Colson and Nikai Hill green, which is possible. Um, I think this could be an elite defense if it's just okay. And uh, you know, it's kind of just a good secondary attached to an okay front seven. Um, it could be a very good run stopping defense, but you know, like a little bit uh, just, you know, not getting home enough against the pass. So I think there's a range of possibilities here. Um, I do think they're going to be very good against the run just because I feel good about the interior and, uh, and all that, but you know, the, the, the secondary and the defense and the interior are going to be very good in my opinion, no matter what. I will also just add just for the kind of the, the pass rush component, and and overall, just kind of like looking at the front, Michigan is not playing particularly exciting offensive lines until you get to Ohio State. I mean, there are a few here and there. By exciting, you mean good. That is absolutely yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, our buddy, our buddy Alex Duran at MGo Blog is doing some great season preview stuff. He ranked Illinois reasonably ranked Illinois as the second best offensive line Michigan plays after Ohio State. Yeah, I believe and like, that we and came that... up with wildly different orders for how to put. Uh, the big 10 offensive lines that we both ranked because we're doing it. He was doing Michigan's opponents. I was doing the big 10, but we have very different orders after the top teams. And I can't say I have any sort of strong opinion about it because they're all bad. Like it's, it's just yeah, all I, bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the good offensive lines in the big 10 this year are Ohio state and Michigan, both project to have very good offensive lines. I and Wisconsin, Wisconsin sort of is, gets there. Sort of gets there. Everybody else is, anywhere from middling to outright bad i would say and like so i think an interesting thing is like we've spent a ton of time talking about like are they gonna have pass rush are they gonna get sacks and it's like they will get sacks against most teams they play because they just don't play good offensive lines so i i'm sorry that i stole taylor's thunder in that take but it is it is a very good important thing to say oh yeah when the best offensive lineman in the league plays for northwestern uh you gotta you got a weird one going although i guess that was also the case when rayshon slater was here but uh um yeah, it, it it's a bit of a waste of a best offensive lineman in the week, league. We'll put it that way. Um, to round it out, my uh, my the unit I feel best about is actually cornerback because uh, I think DJ Turner is going to be a really really excellent number one corner. I mentioned my confidence to Jamon Green, Will Johnson. I think I think the 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 star power between Turner and Johnson is what for me gets cornerback above defensive tackle. I think the defensive tackles. Uh, including Mozzie Smith, are going to be very, very solid. Um, but I don't know, especially given that it's a 3-4, if they're going to have the opportunity to stand out like Turner and Johnson will. Um, so I feel best about corner. Um, I think we've covered that edge is the one we feel uh, that Dan and Taylor feel worst about. Um, I went in a different direction and went with inside linebacker. We kind of covered that, uh, you know, Junior Colson was up and down last year. Hill Green, sort of similar. In fewer snaps, there was there was good. There was a you know some blown stuff, which is what you expect from a redshirt freshman. But you know we need to see it from them. And as we talked about in that section, that's the area of the defense that probably gets hit hardest by an injury to a starter. And uh, you know, given that that often is what kind of changes the trajectory of a season, uh, that that that's sort of where my my biggest fear lies. And then Connor, 
uh, you stole one of my tricks. Uh, yeah, I just briefly wanted to say I, the thing that I my biggest question mark about this defense is something that I think we maybe under discussed a little bit, which is we do have a new DC. Yeah, we Jesse should mention Minter. that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Minter is the new DC. He is not just Mike McDonald in a different hat. Um, oh, that's kind of the question, isn't it? Is like this guy was brought in to be. I wouldn't say no, but like he was brought in to replicate what McDonald did. He comes from the same coaching tree with the Ravens. Um, word from camp is that everything is very similar. And, you know, he is a McDonald-esque guy. And the question is, is for me that I think is crucial is like, is he a McDonald light? Like, does he approach that level of football brilliance? Because I do think McDonald is a very, very, very good coach who, you know, turned things around in a profound way last year. Or is he just some guy? And like, there is some evidence in the some guy column, namely that not, it's not like every defense this guy's ever touched has been amazing. Uh, so I I have no Vanderbilt idea. Vanderbilt has a has a serious degree of difficulty. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, there, there's a lot of my point is like he is a bit of an enigma. Like it's yes. it's hard to like draw conclusions about the guy. So I he didn't I just, Don Brown. Huge, no, like I think there's it's it's hard to draw conclusions about him, and I am just fascinated to see how this goes. I think one uh, promising early sign in his favor is that uh, a lot of the discussion out of camp around the defense is how they've installed more of the playbook at this point than they had uh at this point last year and that kind of tells you Minter is really building off of what McDonald installed it's pretty much the same defense and also uh you know we've talked about how Michigan is probably going to have to get more creative and one of the ways to get more creative is just having more plays at your disposal and last year was their first year in a drastically different defense when you change fronts that is a that is a huge shift uh, so the factor of it, it, you know, there's a, there's a strange, uh, you know, kind of like trying to figure out the balance of they're basically in the second year of a new defense, but they also have a new defense coordinator. Uh, but I think the continuity on the rest of the, uh, staff should help there. All right. It oh, sounds yeah. like we have run out of opinions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no I more. just think the defense <laughs> is going to be fine. Like it's going to definitely regress a little bit back to the it's going to come down to earth and, and to Dan's point or whoever said it earlier, it's been a long podcast. I think, yeah, it's going to come back down to earth and anyone who has sky high expectations or even national folks who are like, is this the same Michigan defense as we saw last year are being silly. Of course it's not, but there are good things to see here. I actually, and, and again, Michigan is not, looking at superstar offenses most of the season there are there's very little to worry about because this schedule the way it shook out is relatively easy there are like some some weird like vibey weird factors but nothing is going to if if god loves me and is good uh nothing is gonna gonna be upset this apple cart until Ohio State. And that is kind of, you know, there are individual things to look for. There are individual things that I would like to see in each game uh, to kind of give me a better picture of what to expect. But there's there's nothing that overall is that concerning. Like there is no full team right now that worries me. Ask me this question in a month, but I don't see a team right now on paper and in practices that says to me, wow, this is like a really well-rounded football team in the way Michigan is right now. 
they're not a superstar team. There's no one breaking out at this moment, but they're not, they're well-rounded and they're fine. And it's going to be fine. And we don't, we have no idea about the breaking out thing. Who the hell knows? It's practice. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Michigan finished 10th in SP plus defensively last year. I actually think that's not an unreasonable expectation for where they can finish this year, given the uh, improvements all around the defense and what they uh, will add to it schematically, as well as uh, having a really darn good secondary and a, at least a pretty promising front seven. And yeah, um, there's a chance that they are not quite that good and they fall down into the 50th or not 50th, 15th or 20th range, but I really don't see it getting much lower than that because there's just too much talent on this defense, too much continuity in terms of scheme. And yeah, I, I just, I expect them to at the very least be pretty good. And I think they could even be a, a top 10 national unit if, uh, if things break the right way and they stay healthy, which uh, is always extremely important. That is all for, from us this week. Uh, follow at bucket problem and at meet at midfield on Twitter uh, subscribe to meet at midfield.com and get uh, our season preview content. Uh, we are hitting the ground running. We already have, and uh, there will be a lot more in the next two ish weeks. And then a whole lot to follow that as we uh, plan out our in season content, but we've got a lot of good stuff uh, brewing for you guys, uh, including some, uh, some interesting things that we might be doing on game day. Um, stay tuned. Um, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, use the promo code BeatAbitField at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BucketProb on PointsBet. Thank you for listening and have a great week.